From Hal to Barbecue Wright Studios in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production brings you Under the Water Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Crane and Derek Biglane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. Wonderful Tuesday. How was your weekend? It was good, Derek. Not a whole lot uh, going on my weekend, just the rain. Uh, visited New Albany. I uh, went down there and visited a little bit with our family and, and uh, got a chance to do some stuff at the church. Sunday morning worship service uh, there at the table service, the 9 o'clock service at HUMC. Got to bang on a little drum there and had a good time. But uh, not nearly as fun as your weekend. Again, you were not with us uh, for the Friday show. Uh, Zach Sims, uh, most listeners who are listening to this show have listened to the show from last Friday. Zach Sims, just a great, uh, very nice guy, uh, sat in with us. Um, somebody who's launching a podcast underneath our uh, production company, Rooster Production, uh, sat in with us. And uh, again, Derek, I joke with you, you know, the talent level went up quite a bit on the show with him here. I did. I listened to it. It was a great show. I do appreciate both the kind and the unkind words on the show. I appreciated both. In, <laughs> I told you we were going to do in it. In different ways. But I think that, and I think he did a great job. Of course, he has a lot more experience than we do. Uh, but their show did launch. It was uh, launched yesterday. Yep. Those of y'all that want to go find it, OB Pod. Uh, just type in OB Pod on Apple, Spotify, wherever you stream. Please find the show. Please listen to the show. Please like the show. Uh, I know a lot of our listeners are in Hernando in the Getwell Corridor up to South Haven, and that's great. Uh, but we also, you know, if you're interested in that side of the county and you're interested in, um, you know, what goes on over there. So I do appreciate Zach stepping in. Matt, it was a, I did have a good time. Uh, Dustin, it sounded like has a lot better weather than it was here over the weekend. Sure. Like y'all had a lot of rain and mostly, mostly sunny uh, in the 70s. It was kind of foggy and really damp in the mornings, um, but just a nice place. Um, Dustin still, though, I, I will say this. Um, I don't know what a normal February in Destin looks like, but they're not hurting right now. Other parts of the country may be shut down. Destin's wide open. Still going to take you what should be a three-mile drive will still take you a solid 12 to 15 minutes. Look, the state of Florida, again, most people, uh, we could sit here and argue, that, again, politics stuff. Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, ha has been pretty open. That's been a lot of the stuff in the last two or three weeks have been discussions how California and Florida have a lot of similar, similar demographics and so forth. However, Florida's been open almost from, from day one and just been just been killing it. I was going to ask you about that, what that looked like as far as the travel was still. It was still, I mean, you know, I don't know, again, I don't know what the population is. And a lot of times if you're going to, you're trying to find somewhere to eat, you know, at nighttime, you're still traveling around five or six time frames. So people are getting off work. Sure. Now, again, what that normally looks like in Destin, I have no idea. It was definitely not mid-July, Destin. Sure, of course. Uh, but it was still, you would, there were a couple of, stoplights at the Sandestin area you're waiting you know two two times through the lights sitting there waiting waiting on traffic yeah you know I, it was uh but I mean, good for them but uh, as for everything else I mean they did not really have limits in restaurants I didn't think they said you know limited to so many people all the waitresses or waiters did wear masks uh, our hotel did require a mask as you walked in and you know as you were in the lobby of the common areas but once you you know stepped onto the patio once you were down at the beach of course no again I didn't never saw anything that limited the number of people in a, in a location uh but Matt you know going down there there were you know we kind of drove around you know of course we're not gonna be able to ever probably purchase anything down there but there were a lot of nice houses but uh, also some fine houses in DeSoto County absolutely if you're interested in any of those houses in DeSoto County please reach out to our 2021 presenting sponsor Team Couch of Birch Realty Group Team Couch possesses over 64 years of combined real estate experience they have over 25,000 closings since 2009 that's 25,000 closings on the residential buying or selling side of real estate 
They are ranked nationally as a top-performing real estate team, and they were recently ranked as a top team in Mississippi by America's Best Real Estate Professionals Magazine. That's America's Best Real Estate Professionals Magazine. They are full-time, full-service realtors, which means they are available to you when you need them. They are currently offering a free, no-obligation market analysis for your home so you can learn about the value of your home, you can learn about the right time to sell it, I've talked with Brian numerous times over the last couple of weeks, and he continues to tell me it is a seller's market. If you're interested in listing your home, now is the time to do it. Reach out to Brian and Terry and their team at 662-449-1700. That's 662-449-1700. Or find them at teamcouch.com. That's teamcouch.com. Derek, I'd like to welcome you back to the How to Barbecue Right Shop Studios. How to Barbecue Right Shop is located just 500 yards past Connection Gymnastics right here under the water tower. This store has everything a man needs for barbecue, crawfish, and all other kinds of outdoor cooking. They have rubs, cast iron, thermometers, knives, cutting boards, sauces, and some really cool high-end smokers. If you've ever seen Malcolm's How to Barbecue Right cooking videos, you need to stop by and check out his shop now. You can call them at 662-912-9947. That's 662-912-9947. Find them on Facebook at H2Q Malcolm Shop. That's H2Q Malcolm Shop. Or certainly stop by their shop right past Connection Gymnastics on Memphis Street on the left-hand side. Derek, they will be hosting a grand opening this coming Saturday, March 6th. They will be doing all kinds of cooking and sampling. It'll really be a big event this coming Saturday, March 6th, at their location. Try and get out there on Saturday. Hopefully the weather's going to be good. I think it is actually supposed to be pretty good. So try and get out there this Saturday to the How to Barbecue Right Shops, right past Connection Gymnastics. Enjoy your Saturday with Malcolm at the How to Barbecue Right Shop this Saturday. And if that's not enough to bring you out there, uh, Matt and I will also be there on Saturday, so you can come <laughs> see us. But no, really, come try out the barbecue. Come, come look at the, everything they have to offer uh, to, to cook with barbecue, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the shop and spending some time with them. And uh, on, again, as you said, probably mid to high 50s uh, and a decent Saturday, finally. Yeah, Derek, it, it's the kind of shop, as a guy, it's the kind of shop that will remind you what you don't have. <laughs> You know what I'm exactly. saying? Exactly. I mean, I know you're, you can buy it there, but it's the kind of shop that can remind you like, oh, wow, I like that. I like that. Or that looks good. Or I don't have that grill. Or, I don't have that thing. So I'm, I'm scared. I, I don't want to see Mr. Malcolm's truck. He probably has a really nice truck that I would like. So <laughs> just one more thing to remind me. But anyway, good luck to you guys this coming Saturday at the How to Barbecue Right Shop. Again, thank you to Team Couch of Birch Realty Group for being our presenting sponsor and How to Barbecue Right Shop for being our studio sponsor for 2021. We couldn't do this without you. Well, Derek, like we mentioned on Friday, we did miss you on Friday. Had a chance to visit with Zach quite a bit and learn more about the OB pod and learn more about his time with the Soto County Schools and so forth. But I wish you would have been here on Friday because we could have visited about the phenomenal show we had on Wednesday where we had all three candidates from Ward 3. We had Mr. Robin Cotton, Dustin Austin, and Bruce Robinson all sat down with either me or you to visit and, and give them about 10, 12, 15 minutes of, of time to, again, in a world of no debates at this particular time, uh, this may be the only time you hear all their voices to kind of talk about their vision. So 
Just a quick recap on that, if you're okay with it. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I'll, I'll listen to it. Yeah, you listen to it. Uh, you know, obviously, um, I know the one I did, uh, but then you did two of them, so kind of went through, listened to the show, I, actually on the way down, you know, a little time off, and so really enjoyed it. Uh, some pretty good points, of course. You know, I started off with Mr. Cotton, and, you know, he had some interesting things to say uh, about Madison Lakes. Um, not a fan. Basically not a fan of, of everything. Well, I guess not a fan of in this current state of Correct. what's been presented. Oh, I see, yes. Yeah, so the way it looks right now, he is definitely not a fan. So uh, not, not probably not the future Homeowner Association president. I would Madison. say no. I would say no. <laughs> uh, another thing, you know, I never heard anybody talk about. Uh, obviously, he has gotten some input and, and maybe some uh, feedback on wanting it a wall. Yeah, uh, you kind know, of a my, sound wall. Well, you know, we've heard a lot about a wall for the last four years, <laughs> um, but this is a sound wall uh, that would go on the east on the uh, east side of the interstate. Which, again, that is a brand new idea. Sure, I had not heard of that, uh, and so I thought that was something interesting. So, and then a couple of the things he talked about bringing some businesses in, a couple of businesses he felt really good about. So he he didn't necessarily mention which businesses they were, which was interesting. No, I think he wanted to keep that close to the vest, and yeah. that's something that I guess if he's elected, he feels like all right, you have to elect me to see what they are. Understand, and then on the. Now, I will say one thing as I listen, because I edit the interviews down necessarily for, you know, just times purposes and, and kind of take out the ums and stuff like that. But he did mention a five-point plan that he also wouldn't share with you. That's right. I tried to say, you know, you, you want to talk about that. And he mentioned uh, kind of the Coca-Cola uh, <laughs> analogy that, you know, they, they don't give out the recipe. He's not going to give out his. So I understand. You know, so he had the good point. Then, of course, Dustin came on, um, seemed really passionate. Right. Um, born and know, raised in Hernando. Born and raised, been here his whole life. Right. Uh, like a couple other, you know, of our friends that we know that have been here for for their whole life, but he seemed to bring, I mean, he seemed positive. He seemed like he had been you know, doing his homework on some of the, the, the backstories that had been right. going on. Renaissance Park, he had, he had Googled. The interesting part there was he Googled about Renaissance Park, learned it, and he had a very good point as far as to, hey, what's happened since then. I mean, right. you know, uh, which you and I talk about a lot off air. You know, we, we bring in consultants and counsel and all these different things that the city does a lot of, and it's like nothing maybe ever kind of comes of it. And so that was a very interesting part. Renaissance Park been talked about for years kind of where are we there you know and then you know uh, real estate career he has and then being in sales and, and everything like that again this is mine and Derek's ward that's kind of why we're maybe talking right, a bit more right. about it and then, and then Bruce Robinson sat down with me and and you know you and I've known known Bruce for for quite a while and it's funny Dustin and Bruce don't live far from each other you know in the country club in the country and, club uh, yeah so you and know. I think you know, Bruce brought up you know so we the new I guess a new topic that he brought up that we hadn't heard yet was of course the animal shelter right uh one and two that he was a you know a, a fan of the animal shelter what they're trying to do so so, you know, I think that each candidate uh, brought different ideas, uh, wanted to look at different parts of the city. You know, obviously they have not heard each other beforehand. Sure, so exactly. Nobody had heard, and this is true for every ward, it'll be true going forward. Right. Uh, we've already done the Ward 4 interviews. Mm -hmm. That'll be coming out tomorrow. So, you know, and neither one of those guys have heard. So everybody, I think, is coming. And I, I know it sounds like I have not heard you interviewed Chad. I have not heard her Chad. Uh, I interviewed Mitch. You have not heard Mitch's. But it sounds like they've also had different ideas. Sure. So th there's a lot of different, you know, a lot of the candidates are coming at, you know, the cities, whether they're issues, you know, good or bad, uh, they're coming at it from different angles. And I really do appreciate all of the new ideas that are that are being flushed out on the UTW podcast. Absolutely. I mean, again, no debates going on that we know of. Uh, certainly let us know. We'll, we'll talk about them <laughs> on here. But, um, you know, now's the time and the way that we may be the only place where you can hear one or two or three or well, two or three or four interviews uh to hear other people's um ideas and hear their vision for hernando so thank you to those three guys for coming on last week we do appreciate them coming on I want to wish them luck in the uh ward three competition and the ward four episode will be wednesday 
Uh, like you said, Chad Wicker and Mitch Lemon. Uh, again, I've met both of them today. Uh, just seem like very nice gentlemen, of course. And we always say this on the podcast. Anyone who puts themselves out there, puts themselves out there from a city leadership standpoint, uh, Derek and I are certainly going to applaud you for that, and we appreciate them uh, doing that. So looking forward to that, uh, forward to that coming up. A special show going to be coming out tomorrow. A special show with Chad Wicker and Mitch Lemon, the two candidates for the Ward 4 Alderman spot. Turning our attention, speaking of Alderman, what we do at least twice a month, Let's visit a little bit about the Hernando Alderman meeting. Not a whole lot going on. Shouldn't be a big one necessarily. Uh, but we do have some things that were shelved because of snow. Tell us about those. Uh, we're back looking at uh, Madison Lakes PUD. This is probably the fourth or fifth time we've mentioned that as part of an Alderman meeting. It's been tabled several times. The, la- the latest time it was tabled, of course, everything on February 17th dealing with the Planning Commission or coming from the Planning Commission was tabled. Uh, this was not due to any issues with it. It was just that the mayor and the Board of Aldermen felt like they should allow the public to have easy access to come to the meeting, to stand up for it, to stand up against it, to give comments. And because of the ice storm, we were, I mean, that's, that's when the snow really came down was that Tuesday night, uh, they just did not feel it was right to be able to pass public projects without public input sure. and people being able to make the meeting safely. So this is all tabled. Um, so we kind of broke this down. If you want to go back to two Wednesdays ago, pull up that podcast. You want to listen to kind of our thoughts on that leading into this. But the three things on the Planning Commission portion uh, of, or I guess coming from the Planning Commission portion of the Alderman meeting tonight, the first being the Madison Lakes PUD, again, dealing with the water issue. So hopefully we'll have that tonight and can go ahead and maybe discuss that more on Friday. The next being the four lots up in Nesbitt, the uh, basically one-acre lots that are being that were already rezoned. Uh, they're now looking to plat those four lots on the west side of Gwynn Road up there. That's where we're coming tonight. And then finally, Magnolia Commons. This is the subdivision closest to the jail uh, down there, um, I guess, south east uh, of the cemetery. Another 36 lots are trying to come online, trying to be platted, which make up 14.57 acres. So again, everything we talked about two weeks ago uh, was tabled, now coming tonight, and uh, so we'll see how that goes, and so we'll discuss it on Friday. Yeah, I mean, I thought, uh, you know, good plan by them, anything planning related, people couldn't get there to stand up against or for or discuss uh, the stuff that had made it out of the Planning Commission made total sense. Again, Derek, you know, I've said the word Madison Lakes almost ad nauseum. We'll see what comes of it. Again, goes in front of the Board of Aldermen tonight. Again, should be a fairly easy meeting. Of course, Derek, whenever you think it's going to be an easy meeting, uh, settle in for about an hour and 45 minutes of somebody that might have an issue or, you know, kind of have a noise ordinance or something like that. Who knows what, what might might come up. But, uh, again, Hernando Alderman meeting will be tonight. So uh, be sure and tune in on their YouTube channel uh, that they have or the YouTube station there. Just simply go to YouTube and do uh, City of Hernando, Hernando, Mississippi, City Government, anything like that, and it should lead you right to it. Let's move up north a little bit. Alderman meetings that we like to talk about. South Haven. Again, fairly simple meeting tonight. Shouldn't be a really big deal. They did go ahead and move forward with their planning commission stuff. So that's now coming uh, in front of the South Haven Alderman. Uh, Basic stuff, the first one being Central Gardens, which is a new subdivision east of Airways, north of Rasco. So if you can picture that, north of Rasco. So basically almost across from South Haven Middle School. Yeah, across from South Haven Middle School. 55-plus zoned area which, again, in real estate is allowed, 55-plus things. Tell us about that. As you said, it's going to be on the north side of Rasco Road, uh, just east of Airways as you're heading toward Greenbrook. Uh, 28.55 acres are going to be looking to be re-platted into 98 single-family lots. Uh, it will be a 55-plus community. They are going to look to have, not along with those 98 single-family lots, clubhouse, pool, lakes, putting greens, and tennis courts. Wow. So just a very you know nice, a kind of an all-inclusive 
uh, resort right there. I mean, you couldn't call it a resort in South Haven, but it's sure. everything's going to be all the amenities available. Basically, everything they can do except for shop. Right. I mean, they, you know, there's no grocery store, but everything else. I mean, it sounds like a pretty cool, you know, especially if you're, you know, your children are out of the house, you can settle down and just kind of you know, hang out in the the community area, the community pool areas. So I think it's a a, a good project. Um, I do think it's kind of an interesting location. I it's, agree. It's kind of filling in basically right in the middle of South Haven. It's just kind of filling in that that grassy area or the, with the trees. Or, you know, when I when I read it, I kept looking at it and I was like. You know, but I mean, again, something's got to fill in there. And so if, if this is what they've deemed the, the, the best use of that property and the city of South Haven agrees, that's what you're looking at. Right. And, and Brian Couch can explain more about this uh, uh, to us uh, at some point. But, uh, you know, real estate, the 55 and older communities is something that is allowed in real estate, you know, between uh, race, sex, all those different things you can't um, – discriminate against but 55 and older communities are allowed it's an empty nesters that's what they are it's an opportunity for well, them it's to a have very hot market i mean absolutely. You know, we know that hernando's yes. looked at, has a couple that are being looked at right now right. for hernando area so right yeah. i mean you know uh, minimal yard work uh condo almost uh, type you know situations and stuff so pretty neat central gardens just across from south haven middle school basically the corner of rasco road on the northeast corner of rasco road and airways something else silo square a couple of commercial projects commercial uh uh, lots there with Silo Square that are being approved or kind of laid out to the uh, Board of Aldermen. And then, Derek, the interesting project that I'm talking about is uh, a project on State Line Road. Tell us about that. So this is approved. I think, Matt, you were <laughs> you were questioning it back when it was approved, uh, when the, the city got the funding. I think it was around a $1.5 million project. Putting sidewalks, uh, this is part of the, I guess, the Main Street redevelopment uh, portion that the South Haven has been you know, doing over the last several years. They've named it uh, the Main Street District. Uh, they've gone and they've done some improvements there. Of course, they made, you know, over the last few years, several improvements to City Hall. Of course, they moved the fire station over there, the, the library, beautiful library that's been there for several years. And so all that area, they've really, you know, done a lot of revitalization. Well, the next step in that is adding uh, sidewalks on both sides of what they call Main Street, a.k.a. State Line Road, from 51 to Northwest Drive, which Northwest Drive is the name of the road that takes you to City Hall, and then all the way up both sides of the road to City Hall leading to Associate Park, which is the park, really nice. I don't know if, if and listeners, right. if you've never been there, it's a very nice walking park around, a, I guess, a small lake or a pond. The, the side will also lead to there. So you can basically walk from 51 to that park, to the library, to check out books, whatever you want to do, and then walk back. So, again, it's a, you know, just another way of trying to revitalize that area uh, and also allow you know exercise, biking, uh, all that kind of stuff. So will it drive traffic? You know, will it, you know improve the overall area as a whole? You know, we'll, that, that's a wait and see thing. But this was federal funding. South Haven's responsible for twenty percent of the uh, one and a half million dollar project. And so we'll uh, see how it goes. I'm just kidding with, with you, Derek. I mean, any opportunity to get people uh, walking, exercising, that type stuff. I mean, I guess I was kind of joking around that. The newer part of South Haven gets so much love. They get so much uh, stuff and everything. The the Getwell Corridor that we talk about, the Silo Square area we talk about all the time, they seem to get all the love. So, I mean, you know, getting sidewalks on both sides of uh, Main Street, State Line Road, was interesting to me. But, I mean, I get it. You know I mean, I, mean? I think, you know, those, obviously the businesses will greatly appreciate it. Right. They're sure. also doing one of those uh, kind of those long-armed stoplights. They're mm -hmm. at Whitworth Road. If people know where Whitworth right. is, it's about halfway between, a, a little more than halfway between the interstate and Highway 51. Uh, Whitworth is a stoplight there. They're taking that the current stoplight down, putting one of the arms, and making really nice pedestrian crossings right there because that's, that's where all the residential sure. area is. And so they'll be able to walk across and get to the sidewalks on both sides. So I think that's great. And, of course, it starts this week. 
Uh, now I wasn't there uh, yesterday. I had to get up in the uh, State Line Road yesterday area and had not didn't see anybody out there doing anything yet. But they will be closing down lanes, and they do expect it to be done about October. Yeah. So interesting project right there, State Line Road from 51 to Northwest Drive, and then you're going to go up Northwest Drive to the City Hall uh, up there to to the park. So it's going to be a neat project for South Haven. State State Line Road again, uh, the central part of DeSoto County, the eastern side of South Haven on Goodman Road gets so much love. So it'll be good for. State Line Road to get you know kind of a facelift, some new new stuff up there, and then also tonight will be the mayor's report, which uh, Darren Musselwhite, friend of the podcast, uh, does such a good job with his mayor's report. We always look forward to uh, letting our listeners uh, know what he talks about uh, in the South Haven mayor's report on Friday. Speaking of being important to your community, DeSoto Family Dental Care has been a presence under the water tower with over sixty years of combined dental experience between Dr. Seymour, Dr. Paroli, and Dr. Trotter. They're committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments and general dentistry, including implants and implant-supported dentures, and now including Invisalign. DFDC makes use of modern technology such as digital scanning, intraoral cameras, digital x-rays, and audio clay sterilization. An in-house lab allows their dentist to be fully involved in the lab process and the end result. The office is designed to provide a safe, comfortable, and relaxing atmosphere for their patients. You can be confident that the goal of each staff member is to create a comfortable environment to provide you with relaxing, personalized dental care. Visit their office to see the difference or call them at 662-429-5239. Again, 662-429-5239. Lauderdale Insurance Agency your local State Farm provider, is located at 11 West Commerce Street, directly across from the Hernando Post Office. Lauderdale Insurance is owned and operated by Sam Lauderdale, former alderman and longtime resident of Hernando. His team specializes in insurance for life, home, business, and auto. Mr. Sam encourages you to compare coverage, service, and price, but feels confident Lauderdale Insurance Agency should be your insurance provider. Please call Sam, Sherry, Angie, or Jennifer at 429-5213. That's 429-5213. Or find them on Facebook at Lauderdale Insurance Agency. That's Lauderdale Insurance Agency on Facebook. North Point is over the moon excited to announce that they have added an evening open house for the month of March. Monday, March 22nd, they will have an evening open house at 6 p.m. Swing by after work and see why families in three states, 28 cities, and 41 zip codes have made North Point DeSoto County's largest and most desirable Christ-centered college preparatory school. North Point is conveniently located in DeSoto County near the intersection of Goodman and Getwell Roads. For nearly 50 years, the school has been delivering a high-quality and affordable private education that is distinctively and unapologetically Christian. School representatives will be on hand to answer your questions about North Point's distinctive approach to school health and safety, as well as their unmatched academic, athletic, and arts offerings. Reserve your spot today by contacting the Director of Admissions, Mrs. Sheila Sharon, at 662-349-5127. Again, Mrs. Sheila Sharon at 662-349-5127. All right, Derek, so we've covered the Hernando Alderman. We've covered all about the local stuff. We even went up to South Haven, visited a little bit about their Alderman meeting. Got a couple of things going on inside the state 
that uh, we're going to mention here on the UTW podcast. It has to do with all of us here in the state of Mississippi. The House of Representatives did pass a plan when it comes to the income tax. Now, it's got to go to the Senate, but they did pass a plan that has to go to the Senate regarding state income tax, which we've talked about numerous times here on the podcast. We had to get, we had several guests that have mentioned, hey, the, the, the possibility of the, the state income tax going away, uh, what that would look like, and so forth. Uh, Mike McClendon mentioned that to us. Our state senator that's uh, down in Jackson right now as we speak uh, mentioned that to us as a possibility or something that he was would be interested in listening to. Give us a little bit more information about that. So the House did pass it. Um, there's you know, several parts of this. Uh, there'll be kind of a, a phase out uh, of the income tax. It would be immediate for people that made under fifty thousand uh, dollars as a single individual or a married couple under a hundred thousand dollars would no longer have to pay state tax. Uh, anybody above that it would be phased out uh, over you know, several years. This would be, of course, you're asking. Well, you know, this is a, basically a, a large portion of the state revenue, about a third of the state revenue. So how do you make that up? Well, they've talked about um, raising uh, the sales tax on other things. So mm-hmm. basically, for goods, I think they would take that about I think nine and a quarter percent. They're looking to tax farm equipment higher. Uh, there would be uh, other, you know kind of transactional tax things that would be higher. So that's one way to do it, which, you know, that's obviously. Now, another thing that would be lower, though, would be the grocery tax. We have the highest grocery tax in, in, in the nation, and so they would lower the grocery tax. Uh, so, you know, that would help people out in some way. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, you could say good. Of course, if you're in the farming industry, you might not be very excited about it. Uh, if, if you, you know, if that's something that you have to buy regularly, um, you know, if you're, you know, like to shop the different retailers, the retailers may have something to say about that because, you know, now effectively you're making their goods more expensive. Now, obviously they're not getting the money, but, you know, whatever was may have cost you a dollar, you know, dollar seven is not going to cost you a dollar nine twenty five. And so it, it's, I think everybody understands if you're taking away a good chunk of the revenue, you're going to have to generate it somewhere. Now, what Tate Reeves says is that he wants it phased out over 10 years and not to replace it with anything. Uh, the people that agree with him or, I guess, his consultants say, based on the fact that we no longer have a state sales tax, the commercial revenue, the, um, the, the people coming to shop here for those people, all that would make up for that loss. Now, that would, that's very hard we, to— That's an unknown. We right. Well, that, and that's very, you know, that's very hard to project, too. Sure. Because, you know, okay, that's, yeah, Tennessee, does, north of us doesn't have a state tax. Florida, obviously, and they you know, they don't have a state tax. Texas doesn't have a state tax. And so you could see, I guess, where the normal person regularly sees it is, you know, you always hear, like, professional athletes. They may choose a team in Texas sure. or Florida because they don't have a state tax. That, obviously, Mississippi doesn't have that. So what does that look like? Would it be large enough to offset it over a 10-year time span? We don't know. As you mentioned, it, it is going to the Senate. Now, the Senate has basically – Delbert Hoseman has come out and said that he's talked to a lot of senators – and not a single one of them has said that the bill will come out looking like it does right now. Right. Nobody agrees. No one in the Senate agrees with the way that the bill is written right now. So what does that mean? Does it mean that it's not going to come out? Uh, they have until March 16th is the deadline for them to, I guess, either counterpropose or to make changes, what they want to see changes, and to bring it out of the Senate. So they can still bring it out of the Senate as of March 16th. They can still make it out, and then, it, then but then it would have to go back to the House if even one change is made. It would have to go back to the House. So we'll see if that happens. He said that, you know, as I said, that not one senator currently likes the way it's written. Uh, he does like the idea of eliminating the state tax. Uh, but he says that the current version is extremely long, and he believes it's going to have a lot of unintended consequences that will come from it. Of course, as I said, the, a lot of it has to do with you know, farmers will be hurt, uh, he believes. Uh, he'll believe that, the, uh, that uh, retirees 
you know, retirees aren't taxed right now. So there's no state tax uh, for once you're over 65. Well, now you're going to be paying higher sales tax. Right. You're going to be paying if you're, a, you know, were a farmer or you've got to buy a tractor or something, that's going to be higher for you. Now, yes, it will be offset by the groceries you're buying. But again, what does that look like and sure. what's the net effect? I think there's a lot of, I've been hesitant to mention it on here. Uh, it is very important that it passed the House. Uh, it is very important that both the governor and lieutenant governor are in support of it and it being the overall elimination of the state income tax. But I think that their ideas right now are very different. Uh, obviously, the House has already submitted theirs. The Senate has an idea but doesn't like kind of what other things are being affected. And the governor says nothing else should be affected. We should just eliminate it with nothing, no offsets. You know, there's a lot of room. I, will it get done this session? I don't know. I, I, I feel like it will not. Uh, now, I would love to hear Mr. Uh, I would love to hear Senator McClendon's thoughts on it. Uh, you know, may talk, try to talk to him, reach out as it gets closer. If it looks like it's going to come out of the Senate uh, as we get closer to the 16th. This looks like something maybe. This is the first time it's really been discussed and even been passed by one of the houses. Right. So I think this is something that may be kind of bartered back and forth this year and maybe gets a lot of legs for next year. So right. we'll see. Again, if you're listening to this and you have not educated yourself on it, please, Clarion Ledger, uh, you know, there's several sources in Jackson you can go down to. Make, make sure you understand this because that is a huge deal if it's eliminated but it also could be, you know, it could affect your pocketbook in other ways. Yeah. I would maybe say that, like you said, that you're a bit surprised or, you know, you're not aware of anything, the elimination of the state income tax making its way out of the Senate or the House or anything like that. I have a feeling maybe this year it's a little bit of a football that they'll they'll kind of throw out there, see how their constituents, see how the public mentions it, some reactions they get, that, that type stuff. So maybe it doesn't happen this year, but it lets them uh, figure some things out over the next eight, nine months once they're done to, to get ready for next year to maybe see what it looked like. Somebody has to go back, that has to go back and visit farmers. If the, if the That's farm right. Ta- you know what I'm saying, that type stuff. So, you you're going to have the farmer packs. You're sure, going to have the exactly, retailer yes, packs. I mean, yes. that, that's all going to come after them. Okay, mm-hmm. so who's putting the most heat? Who's district? Yeah. You know, am I going to be, you know, am I scared of my reelection because sure. of how much heat I've got? So that's all going to come into play. Right. And so I, I, I agree with you. I don't know if it's going to happen this time, but I do like that they're talking about of it. Of course. You have to make that up. I mean, yeah. you, no, I agree. we're already, you know, teachers are getting ra- getting raises. You know, we're, everybody's hoping for teacher raises to, to 100% make it out. And, you know, so I think that there's a lot of funding they want to do. The state, we know the state's above budget right now. You know, they're, they're doing better than projected. Uh, but when, if you take away a third of that, <laughs> that's a lot of making up to do. So it'd be interesting to see how it happens. Sure. I don't see it happening this year. I really feel like it's just going to be kind of a football that they toss out there, see what the constituents think, see what the state, you know, kind of temperature is in the state, and then maybe next year. I mean, but again, it's getting talked about. What's the big deal? And, 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 they're, they're, and people always want to say, well, you know, well, Florida does it, Texas does it. Florida and Texas have a, a lot more um, commercial property, yeah. have a lot more industry than Mississippi does. And also, I don't know if you if, if checked, please Google Texas property taxes. Extremely high. Right. So again, they're all they it's not like they don't get the money. <laughs> they just find different ways to get it. And well, so um, that's every, just something everything everything is them. bigger in Texas, including the taxes. Including the property taxes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we'll keep you up to speed on that. Again, like you said, maybe uh, Mike McClendon could could fill you in a little bit on more information as we get a little bit closer. Uh, Derek, last thing, tomorrow we are a Tuesday show, and tomorrow, Wednesday morning, eight o'clock. Governor Tate Reeves' restrictions, I say restrictions, government orders, governor orders um, for February 2nd through March 2nd will expire at 8 a.m. Again, we don't know anything about what that, this is strictly an opinion, Derek, but I kind of feel like, and and you travel and everything down to Florida where things may be a little bit more loose or loosened up a, a bit down there, but you know, I have a feeling that a lot may look a little bit different tomorrow, you know, mid midday. No beating around the bush. I think we're going to see, will he remove the mask mandates? 
Uh, there have been other states that have have taken off the mask mandates. Yeah. And so there's, I think, six or seven have done it. Uh, and so we'll see if Mississippi's tomorrow. Maybe it's a, uh, hey, uh, keep it on in public places, but you know you don't have to wear it. Or maybe he, you know, now it's no longer ten people inside. Maybe it's fifty and hundred. Sure. Fifty inside, hundred outside. I mean, it's interesting to see. Does he go just full bore? Everything's off. Uh, or we're going to do a stair step, you know, back up and uh, back up and opening. Um, so it's going to be wait and see. But uh, I, or does he just again? No more masks, we're done. Right. Uh, like some other governors have done. So I'm again, waiting. Look, and again, this is strictly kind of opinions, that type of stuff. I mean, we're you know, very interested to see what he says tomorrow and, and how that goes. I, again, I have a strange feeling that we're in th- things around Mississippi are going to look a bit different tomorrow. We're looking forward to And we'll definitely talk about it on Friday. Derek, something we do every Tuesday, turning it more back locally. The DeSoto County Fact of the Week, sponsored by or presented by or given to us by the DeSoto County Museum. Rob Long and the great people at the DeSoto County Museum, uh, please stop by there across from Area 51, across from Blue Ribbon Cleaners, on Commerce Street, open Tuesday through Saturday, 9 to 5. That's Tuesday through Saturday, 9 to 5. If you or your family or uh, you and your kids are looking for something to do and get out and go look at something here in Hernando, something local, a little staycation or some some kind of stuff like that, please stop by and visit the DeSoto County Museum right here in Hernando, an absolute asset to Hernando and all of DeSoto County. Uh, Mr. Rob Long would love to welcome you and show you around the DeSoto County Museum. Derek, what is our DeSoto County Fact of the Week this week? Well, Matt, we're going to look at what was going on 87 years ago. Uh, you know, we talked about maybe restrictions lifting. Uh, the reason, One of the reasons for those restrictions possibly lifting of course, is the vaccines. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know that every day, you know, there's, you know, of course, in DeSoto County, anywhere from 600 to 1,000 more vaccines given out. And so, you know, we continue to get closer and closer to just, you know, everybody getting inoculated uh, as we move into the summer, into the fall. And so 87 years ago, they were also giving out vaccines in DeSoto County. But this vaccine had nothing to do, obviously, with coronavirus. It had to do with typhoid fever. Uh, the typhoid fever was kind of uh, moving through DeSoto County at that time. During that time, the county nurse was situated at the courthouse in Hernando uh, each Saturday from 8 a.m. to 12 noon, and then from 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock in the afternoon for the purpose of vaccinating against the typhoid fever. Everyone was eligible to receive the vaccine free, uh, pretty key, especially back in 1934, provided that you live in this county, are under the age of 60, and have not been vaccinated in the last three years. So under the age of 60, uh, which is obviously, so they're going to the older people last, under the age of 60 and had not been vaccinated in the last three years for the typhoid fever. There's no need for anyone, either white or colored, uh, having typhoid fever in DeSoto County. So they, they, this was not just uh, you know limited to the white people. Everybody was able to get this back at 34. And they urge each of you who are eligible to arrange to be on hand and take the shots. And then, of course, you know, if anybody wasn't there, they would actually come to you and give right. you the shot in your home. And so I think that this is something, you know, we're talking about vaccinations. You know, we get, of course, you hear flu vaccine every year. But, they, you know, 87 years ago, they were going through another pandemic, uh, and that was the typhoid fever. Now, maybe I was had to kind of look up what, what are the symptoms of typhoid fever. Well, high fever, obviously. Headaches, belly pain. And then the last was interesting because you were either constipated or... Or had diarrhea. Okay. Right. So you could go either or. Could be either side of the fence. But of course, it was partially prevented by the vaccine. You couldn't prevent it all if you got it. And the way that it spread, unlike the coronavirus, which of course is airborne, it was spread through contaminated food and water. Mm. That's how you get typhoid fever. Of course, it's still around today in the poorer countries. That was what they were doing 87 years ago today, giving out vaccines just like they are right now. Yeah, I'm going to skip the typhoid fever exhibit at the DeSoto County Museum. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip that one. But look, wow! I mean, I think the bigger thing I take away from this, Derek, is 87 years ago, people were being vaccinated for that. 
uh, America and Mississippi, Hernando, DeSoto County survived and continue to move and thrive. And we're going to do the same thing again. Looking forward to the day where we can have, you know, you know, not have any masks when we go out. Looking forward to concerts on the square and all those different things that are so special and great in, inside the city of Fernando. Um, I'm look, really looking forward to that. No, I, yeah, I, I agree. And I think that this is not something that we haven't gone through before. Sure. I mean, people, I don't know if anybody would be, even in the 90s, maybe would would or would not remember this, but there have been mass inoculations before polio. When it came out in the 50s, um, you had, uh, of course, you know, penicillin when it came out. And so I think that there's a lot of things that, you know, we, we, we tend to think history is current. Uh, but history, all it does, I mean, you've heard it over and over again, it repeats itself. And so that's all we're doing is repeating itself and just looking back and reading, hey, there are generations before us that have gone through this exact same thing. So as you said, you know, we're just we're getting through this. And then, you know, 80 years from now, somebody's going to pick up one of our papers and say the exact same thing. Right. Absolutely. And if you're looking to get away from all this serious talk that we're doing here on the UTW podcast, reach out to Magical Destinations of Fernando. Whether it's that trip to Disney World, Universal Studios, or that tropical getaway, Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher can help you plan the trip of your dreams. They work to get you the best rates with headache-free planning. Magical Destinations is locally owned and operated right here under the water tower. Give them a call today to start planning your magical getaway. You can reach them at 662-469-6304. That's 662-469-6304. Or find them on Facebook and Instagram at Magical Destinations Unlimited. That's Magical Destinations Unlimited on Facebook and Instagram for all of your summer travel needs. Since 2001, Green King has been helping home and business owners enjoy lush, healthy, weed-free outdoor living spaces. They refuse to settle for the status quo, continuously researching and testing the very latest methods, products, and strategies to ensure your lawn looks better than the other guys. With technicians trained and educated with hours of continuing education and seminars each year, Green King is committed to doing everything they can to make and keep you satisfied. You can reach them at 662-892-8419. Again, 662-892-8419 or their website, greenkingspray.com. And remember, if you want it green, call the king. Speaking of a healthy lawn, Derek, podcast brought to you by Williams Services. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. Going into the spring season, now is the time to start to think about your lawn service, who you may use this year, who you could use for winter cleanup, anything like that. Williams Services can help, whether it's leaf removal, tree trimming, winter cleanups, anything like that. Now's the time to call Richard and his team at 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. Or give them a shout on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. That's Williams Lawn Services on Facebook. Richard should be coming on with us, Derek, sometime in the next four or five weeks, visiting with us about our lawn, visiting with us about his military service, those type things. So something we need to reach out and set up with him, but just a really nice, solid guy. And, look, he can cover you anywhere in Hernando. If you can hear our voices, he can handle you in DeSoto County, uh, North Tate County, anything you need. Reach out to Richard and his team today. All right, Matt, turn it to sports. This will be a basketball-heavy sports section. However, before we get there, there was a, one announcement made uh, in the last week or so dealing with a sport outside of basketball. The 4A, 5A, and 6A North All-Star team for softball has been named. Of course, these uh, girls you know, all over the, the north part of the state, and three of them, three of the, I believe it's 15 on the team, come from DeSoto County. Gabby Dickerson from Lewisburg, 
Natalie Gilman from Lewisburg, and Hannah Randall from DeSoto Central have all been named to the 4A, 5A, 6A North Team All-Star Fast Pitch Team. Now, again, they do combine uh, three classifications into one. Uh, so this is a, this is a you know, actually, I guess, a greater award. It's not just 6A. It's actually three different classifications that these girls were selected to be part of the team. So congratulations to those three young women. Absolutely. Congratulations to them. I think those are going to take place sometime in June. The games take place in June. So congratulations, Gabby, Natalie, and Hannah. Good luck to you guys this summer. Anytime you get a chance to play one more softball game with kids your age is a great feeling. So good luck to you girls. All right. We also had a couple signings uh, since the last uh, show. Two signings, actually. Both of them from Lewisburg. The first, Chet McDaniel has signed with Mississippi Delta. And Dalton Henley uh, with Northwest Community College, uh, both to play baseball. So both to play baseball. So congratulations to both Chet and Dalton for signing, continuing their baseball careers at Mississippi Delta and Northwest, respectively. So, uh, again, as we always say, if you can get somebody to pay for you to go to school and get to have fun playing the sport that you love, congratulations. Uh, moving our attention, Derek, speaking of sports, moving our attention to both men and women, uh, we're going to talk some basketball. Not a lot going on the girls' side from a DeSoto County standpoint. Fill us in on that. You know, again, this is uh, Tuesday, so this we're going to cover the most recent games. Now, we do realize games happened last Thursday that got then led to games on Saturday. It's just too much going back to, you know, some of that's now old news. So we're going to stick uh, specifically to the games that were played on Saturday uh, that led to uh, both teams, both girls who played on Saturday, advanced. Uh, so Olive Branch played Madison Central. This was in the Elite Eight, so basically the 6A Elite Eight. Uh, Olive Branch won 78-58. to uh, This was a dominating performance to make it to the Final Four. They were led by Addison Howell with 19, Trinity Police with 16, Raina Piggies with 15, and Amaya Black with 14. So a very well-rounded shooting performance from all the ladies on Saturday for the Olive Branch Lady Conquistadors. They now play tomorrow, March 3rd, at 4 p.m. at the Big House. They're playing Meridian. And so the final four for the 6A girls consist of Germantown, Harrison Central, Meridian, and Olive Branch. So, again, Olive Branch trying to get to, you know, trying to win another championship. Matt, they've been playing well. One of the names you did not hear was Tupelo. Uh, Tupelo was, was beat out by Germantown. And so, you know, German, you know, we know that Tupelo handed Olive Branch its only loss. And so if Olive Branch were to play Germantown, it would have to be in the championship. So we'll see how it goes. And just uh, real quick, the big house Derek mentioned is the Mississippi Coliseum, which, just a little fact, 50% capacity allowed this wow. week yeah 50 percent capacity i do know that 50 percent capacity allowed for the state boy and girl state basketball tournament so well that, that holds, yeah and that makes sense because even though you may say well you know what if they release the mass mandates tomorrow and open things up well they the tournament actually started yesterday yeah different classification started on monday so they'd have to let that go throughout the whole week so that makes sense yeah so 50 percent capacity down in jackson at the mississippi coliseum Congratulations to uh, Olive Branch. We want to wish you girls luck down there uh, in Jackson as you carry the DeSoto County banner with you. Uh, good luck. Uh, we'll be certainly be pulling for you. Got a strange feeling we're going to be talking about OB as a state champion, uh, but you know I'm not going to. I hope not to jinx it. Maybe I Ooh, did, but I'm call? just simply saying, you know, I mean, uh, you know, the, I really feel like they seem to be the best team. Uh, they've been the best team all year. All right, Derek. What other girls are still playing? All right. So also played this past weekend. North Point played Good Pasture. The North Point Lady Trojans won 39-27. to Again, this has been a lot of defensive games. North Point has really stepped up their defense in the last two or three games. It was 9-5 to after the first quarter, Trojans. Then they fell behind 14-18 to at halftime, came back and rallied 27-22 in the third quarter, and then held on for the 39-27 final score. They were led by Bethany Wright with 18 points, Brawley Faith Cherry with 7, Izzy Carlson with 7. This is their fifth TSSAA Final Four. 
and eighth elite eight in the last nine years. Right. So just a, a program in the, the basically the the ten, the 2010s decade, uh, North Point girls have really been a dominant program. Uh, they now play on Thursday, March 4th, so two days from now, at 1.30 p.m. in the afternoon against uh, PCA uh, in Cooksville, Tennessee. Uh, they're, they're hopefully some of the students will be able to leave school and travel uh, to watch them up in Cooksville, Tennessee. And so good luck to the Lady Trojans. That, that Final Four consists of Webb, USJ, which is uh, out of Jackson. Of course, North Point beat them. Uh, they were the two two seed coming out of the region uh, but they actually made the uh, made the final four north point and then pca of course the team that they're playing good luck to the lady trojans on thursday uh, definitely uh, on our friday show we'll have the coverage of them carrying the desoto county banner uh into tennessee carry it all the way over to cookville tennessee Derek. it's not plural it's singular that's cookville tennessee right. yeah, that's correct. <laughs> it's uh cookville tennessee good luck ladies as y'all travel uh congratulations to y'all on a great year i've been pulling for you all year i predict you to win district undefeated you've done that i don't know if you've lost in, in a couple of months so congratulations to the lady trojans and uh, we will definitely be pulling for you from the utw podcast so good luck on thursday Turning our attention, Derek, we're going to talk a little bit about the past, mainly talk about the future when it comes to boys basketball. Uh, not a lot left for when it comes to uh, DeSoto County boys, but tell us about uh, last week's games to get us where we are now. All right, so we're going to start, and as Matt mentioned, there's going to be a little, not really lead up, little explanation uh, in the, the naming of the scores uh, as to kind of what led to, uh, you know, what happened this past weekend. So Olive Branch boys uh, made it to the Elite Eight. They played Startville. They lost 78-54. to They were led by Jonathan Burns with 17, Terry Joyner with 13, and Jalen Tyler with 11. So, again, they go down 78-54. to Unfortunately, not a close contest uh, between Startville. Startville now, you know, advanced to the Final Four. But Matt, I think the biggest thing to come out of this game is what happened the game before that. Uh, the one that um, we were not able to talk about uh, because uh, it had happened, I guess, they had to, y'all had to record on the Correct. Thursday. Correct, record on Thursday. And so it happened yeah. that night. South Haven uh, was the – remember, they got the bye. Our branch played South Haven, upset them 64-61. to Now, this game is of interest not only because of the upset. Uh, obviously, it was a very close game, back a lot of back and forth. But during the game, a uh, video surfaced, was sent out on Twitter, uh, obviously by the South Haven fans, that where it shows a, a referee – it shows a guy making a layup. A, a whistle is blown. Uh, it looks like the guy made the layup. It's an and one. Uh, this is a South Haven player. Uh, made the layup with an and one. They then decide to wave the basket uh, off the board and not allow the free throw because the referee that should have made the call or that was in the position under the basket, you know, that would be, the I guess, watching the whole thing, fell down right. and was not able to see the play. And therefore, could not say that he ruled it a basket. I'm just going to leave it there. Just leave it there. I mean, and so I'm not this, again, that should have been a three, uh, potentially three point three play, point definitely play. a two point play. Right. Potentially a three point play. South Haven has the ball left with two to three seconds left in the game. Has the ball last down by three and loses. That that did allow Olive Branch to you know to advance. Now I'm not taking away from Olive Branch. Sure. I'm just saying you know it was obviously a close game. Even if that would have counted. Right. Maybe then Olive Branch, you know, plays it a little different. They had the ball last, and yeah. it's, an, it's a non-factor. Yeah. Or they go to overtime and still win. Most, saying, most games don't come down to a play like that. That's right. And, and that's necessarily. Right. So, but we, you know, we were not able to cover that on right, the show. Sure, Y'all were not sure. able to cover it. So just kind of wanted to give credence to that. But they do advance. So congratulations to the boys to make it at the lead eight. Unfortunately, not able to get the job done and start will advance. Yeah, Derek, we will be speaking with someone this month. He's going to come on. We're going to visit with him about. 
refereeing about officiating in the state of Mississippi. We have a lead on a gentleman that is very, very uh, knowledgeable about the state of Mississippi, officiating, all that kind of stuff. Uh, here in just a second, I'll tell you more about officiating uh, when it comes to the Center Hill matchup. So we're getting there in just a second. But he's going to come on. With the, I'm going to reach out this week. He's going to come on very knowledgeable when it comes to officiating. Let me tell you, in the state of Mississippi, you will not want to miss this uh, interview. Uh, it's very uh, eye-opening, the stuff I've learned in the last two weeks when it comes to officiating uh, all sports and high school officiating in the state of Mississippi. And Matt, you just mentioned it, so we'll move to it. The next game uh, that was played, Center Hill against Holmes County, again in the Elite Eight. So uh, this is 5A, the 5A uh, Elite Eight. You had Center Hill versus Holmes County. Holmes County wins 70-51. to Matt, I- I'm going to turn it over to you. Now, this uh, For those of you all that are listening, we just mentioned about the OB pod. This is also covered on the OB pod uh, because Center Hill is, is where Zach uh, right. is in a uh, an administrator, and so he did cover this on their pod. But, man, I'm going to let you go ahead, based on what he said and based on what you heard, kind of explain what happened in this game. I saw Zach Sunday morning at church. We visited a little bit, and I kind of asked him about the game, how it turned out. I didn't know anything about the score, anything like that. And and, and uh, Zach was pretty I mean, pretty shocked. I think he was still kind of you know reeling from it or confused by it. He said, well, first thing he said was the temperature in the gym was definitely in the 80s. When he opened the door to walk into the gym, he said it, it absolutely engulfs you. Uh, so they purposely did that. I mean, you know, the, the bill was probably has probably been paid, but uh, they they did that on purpose. He said the kids in the warmups drenched with sweat, drained in the warmups. It was unbelievable. He said they they were constantly having to uh, just wipe you know wipe up the floor and stuff like that. And that's for both teams. That is definitely. And I understand playing at home is one thing, and that's important. I won't argue with home field advantage or home court advantage per se, but that's one thing to start with. Uh, he then said that the – I mean, you can listen to it on the OB pod. The three referees, <laughs> if their income came from a home central uh, – home, Holmes <laughs> County school system, he wouldn't be surprised. Putting it nicely. Right, yes, putting yes. it nicely. Uh, so, uh, again, the talks we, we have about officiating, these poor kids that sometimes officiating can kind of go uh, one way. So, they were leading by 10 at halftime. 33-23. 33-23. So, picture this. Uh, a lot of people that are listening to the podcast, you play sports, you know all about it, that type of stuff. 33-23, every starter already had three fouls. They already had three fouls. So you go into the second half with multiple players, your best players, uh, in foul trouble. And they proceeded to not be able to defend necessarily because they were scared of being fouls or whatever. But Zach said it was nothing but ticky-tack the whole rest of the way. Winning 33-23 at halftime, losing 70-51 to because the referees absolutely Please go listen to an OB pod. He said it's one thing to call a foul; it's another thing to scoot down the court. Happy you called it. Yeah, and and so for those of y'all that are, you know don't want to bring out the calculator, that means that Center Hill was outscored forty-seven to eighteen in the second right. half. Forty-seven to eighteen in the second half. You know, let's call it what it is, Derek. Maybe a little bit of home cooking. No pun intended with the eighty-five degree gymnasium. But uh, wow, just it, it really stinks for these kids because officials should not be involved in the game. They shouldn't be the uh, end all be all of the game, and it really stinks. Again, the DeSoto County team, arguably the better team, probably the better team is not going to Jackson uh, because of what feels like some home cooking, and uh, it's just really sad. So uh, congratulations to the Center Hill Mustangs for a great season, a good season, hard-fought team. But, man, it's just really hard to uh, you know see this happen to kids and, and whatever. You know, It's one thing to get beaten. It's another thing to have something taken from you, and it feels like that for the Mustangs. Well, and also it leads back to the, you know, them 
you know, unfortunately not being able to win their district Correct. tournament. Correct, yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so, you know, deal. Mick Cormorant gets that home game, which we'll talk about right. in a second. Uh, Central Hill has to go on the road, you know, and, and loses and has to go against that home court advantage right. and maybe home referee advantage right. uh, and lose 70-51. to 51. They were led by Calvin Dockery with 11, uh, Preston Newsom with 11, uh, Caden Laws had 10, and I think, Matt, the shocker of all, Zanin Harrelson, leading scorer in the county, right. five points. Bingo, exactly. I mean, if that doesn't tell you something right there, Zanin Harrelson, a D1 prospect, leading scorer in the Soto County, goes down goes down to Holmes County Central and scores five points. Mm-hmm. Come on now. Come on now. I mean, it, hey, look, UTW Podcast, I think you can uh, tell the, the side we're on, it's not fair, that was not fair, that's not right, we're not blind. Mm, just doesn't sound right, so – it's tough, Stinks and that's, that's going to sit with the t- you know again. And Caden and Zandon are both seniors, exactly. So you know they have to move on. Uh, the team you know come back and hopefully next year just learn from it. I know the coach he's tweeted out a couple things since then. He's it's not sitting well with him, uh, but he has to move on and, and be an example for his players. So again, but congratulations, Elite Eight is not a bad season. No, uh, but it, it does it is a tough way to end it. Uh, the last game we're going to cover uh, is the one boys team to advance. Uh, Lake Cormorant. Uh, who did did beat Center Hill uh, in the district tournament? A huge upset. Upsets Absolutely. the number one ranked uh, at the time, uh, Callaway, eighty to seventy five in double overtime. So eighty to seventy five. Lake Cormorant, the Gators move on. They were led by KB Brooks with twenty six points. Donovan Sanders had twenty two points, and Draper Newell had twelve points. They were playing against the arguably the top player in the state, right? Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Ruffin, Ruffin yeah. uh, for Callaway. Uh, he did have thirty seven points. Uh, he is an Ole Miss signee uh, who did have 37 points. Now, you know, there was a guy, um, I, you know, the, the article, the local article in the paper talked about the guy that was covering him, said that he did a good job. The coach was very proud of him. He, he, he may have done a good job, but Ruffin still had 37 points. Uh, but, again, basically he wanted to play four-on-four, four, and, you know, the, the coach got the win, so you cannot uh, disagree with the way he went about it. Uh, no team led by more than four points at any, at any of the quarters. And this is the, you know, so basically uh, Lake Cormorant has made history. This is the first team they've ever had to make it to the Final Four. Wow, awesome. Uh, so you get the Gator team make it to the Final Four. So congratulations to them. They will play Hattiesburg tonight. Okay. Uh, so they play first. So their game tonight at 7 p.m. The Olive Branch Lady, Conquista Doors, tomorrow at 4 p.m. And then North Point on Thursday at 1.30 p.m. And then, of course, if they win, they'll get to all three play for the championships. So that's what we're pulling for. Congratulations, young people, uh, everybody who played this season. Congratulations to the three teams that continue to carry on. Uh, Lake Cormorant Gators, good luck tonight. Uh, we definitely will be pulling for you. Olive Branch girls, good luck tomorrow. North Point girls, good luck on Thursday. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, got some things to cover on Friday. Uh, we definitely wish you, uh, you know, success. We wish you uh, continue. You know, we hope your season continues. You know, at least for one more game. Because yeah, you, well, you want, to, you gotta have a shot. Just, hey, you just want to get exactly. to the game to have a shot. Yeah, you can't win the state title without getting to, through this one. So good luck to all the kids, uh, definitely. And and look, if you're a mom or dad or parent of one of these uh, players, uh, play the play the podcast for them. Uh, let them hear their names or at least hear their schools' uh, names and and tell them we're we're cheering for them for sure. Look, if you like what you hear each and every week, find us on Facebook at UTW Podcast. That's UTW Podcast on Facebook, Instagram UTW Podcast. And on Twitter at UTW Pod. That's UTW Pod on Twitter. If you have anything on on Twitter or Instagram that you'd like to uh, just just you know hit at UTW Pod. Let us know the scores or different things like that or something going on signings etc. Just put at UTW Pod on Twitter to let us know uh, of any of those events. 
Also, if you like what you hear each and every week, share it on Facebook. Share it on Hernando Happenings. Share it on your page, personal page. Share it with friends and family. Let them know what we're doing here on the UTW Podcast. And definitely want to subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, please hit the subscribe button so we'll continue to grow. Uh, importantly, on Apple, be sure and leave us a five-star review. That's important if you like our show, a five-star review. Uh, we certainly can never have enough of those. It kind of helps us move up the ranks when it comes to podcasts. Be sure and give us a five-star review if you think we've earned it. We certainly uh, appreciate you listening and appreciate your continued support here in the Hernando area and definitely DeSoto County uh, as a whole. So we certainly appreciate it. Be sure and tune in tomorrow for the special episode, Ward 4 Candidates Tomorrow typically going to be before noon. If you support one of those candidates, please share it and pass that along uh, so we can educate the constituents of Ward 4 about the candidates that are running for their ward. Derek, if there's nothing else, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower. This is where we dropped off